This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Adam Jones and Connor O'Neill at the the Fast over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, of course. The morning after we reflect on deadline day and the summer transfer window, we obviously asked the biggest question if, if Everton's squad is stronger than it was when it entered the window. We assessed the ins, the outs, the players Everton didn't manage to sign, the players Everton did not manage to move on, of course, and there are plenty of players on all of those lists for us to get stuck into. So, um, Adam, let's just start with that big question then, because that's the question for every transfer window. Is the squad that emerges from the window now we're into September stronger than the squad that went into the window um, in June and July? It's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because I think on the face of things, you would have to potentially say yeah, because I don't think Everton have really lost any major players over the course of the last few months. And the players that Everton have brought in have certainly added something as well. Like if if we're taking, for example, Bernard leaving the club, Everton have managed to offset that with the arrivals of Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. And I think that in itself provides a lot more balance across the squad. We've got two wingers there who are going to, I think, well, no no offence to Bernard, but I think they're going to contribute a lot more than Bernard would have done over the course of the coming season. So I think there's an improvement there. Uh, I think the arrival of Begovic is kind of offset by uh, Robin Olsen not coming in on loan. I think they're, as, as I've said before on the podcast, I think they're, pretty similar levels and you know, to get someone like Asmir Begovic in on a free with so much Premier League experience behind them, I think that's another good bit of business. And then right at the end of deadline day, Rondon's arrival again, you can see exactly why Everton have brought someone like Rondon to the club to you know provide backup and to challenge Dominic Calvert-Lewin as much as he can. So if you're offsetting that with uh, the departure of Josh King, for example, is Rondon going to offer more than Josh King did? Well, you'd, you'd certainly hope so, because Josh King didn't really get the chance to offer a lot. So on the face of things, I would say that the squad probably does look a bit stronger. But obviously, you've got to, you've got to offset that with the fact that it, it's not as strong as it should be. I think we'll probably get into it a, a little bit later on, but Everton really should have moved in certain areas of the pitch to strengthen the squad, and they've failed to do that, essentially. So... You know, there's a, there's a certain air of disappointment, and I can understand that air of disappointment. But on the face of things, I think the squad is maybe just slightly more balanced. I would say. Um, Con, same question to you, mate. Um, is, is the squad stronger on September the first than it was on July the first? Yeah, I think I, it's hard not to disagree with what Adam said there. I think on the face of it, it is stronger. I think we've certainly improved in areas we need to improve in terms of you know certainly up wide in terms of Grey Townsend and and, and the, the the kind of inclusion they've they've kind of given for Moby the kick up the backside that he probably needed. Um because it, it's clearly that he's been a different player so far this season since them two lads have come in. So yeah, no, I think only time will tell really to see if if it is strong enough. I think ultimately it's on paper as things stand now it, it looks good. But it's one of them, isn't it? Whatever you, you kind of think if if you get one or two injuries or you know a COVID outbreak and, and, and lads have to go into isolation like we've seen already this season, then it, it could be very thin on the ground. I mean, you, you look at the the bench with Brighton on Saturday, at the weekend, there's two goalkeepers and, and one player on that who's no longer at the club anymore. So it's still it's still incredibly thin, but 
I think that the good thing for Everton is, is that they addressed the areas that they needed that needed addresses. And I think the, the two lads up wide were massive, and, and I think the sign of Rondon is, is massive. I know it's quite underwhelming, not the kind of the, the mega forward that people hope and, and, and probably some expected us to bring in, but I think he'll add some much needed backup. And I think the way he plays and the way he kind of goes about his business is very similar to the way Calvert Luna started the season in terms of becoming a kind of a centre forward in this in the box and getting on the end of crosses and that's exactly what Rondon will do. So I think what Adam said there about you know he'll have more impact than Josh King. I think he will and I think we'll see more of him than we will see Josh King because I think it's quite clear that Benitez is a big fan of his and I'll have no hesitation in putting him in. I think with with Carlo and Josh King last season, the kind of almost seems a reluctance from Carlo to put Josh King in. It was almost as if he didn't rate him. It was as if like, oh well, well only when it really, really gets tough or Alex you run out of no options. That I will consider putting them on. You know, you think of some of the games where even when they're not forward, he still couldn't get a look in. So if you look at it on now, that certainly won't be the case with Rondon and he'll be he'll be he'll be given opportunities and, and he could be a really big asset off the bench as well, which is something that Everton didn't have last year. They didn't have no assets off the bench. You could potentially come on and change the game. Whereas, you know, you look now, they've got three wingers. So that's a, one wingers you imagine is going to be on the bench. So that's one who can come off the bench and potentially have an impact and a backup centre forward can come off the bench and have an impact. So, in terms of the, the squad, it, it is stronger than what it was certainly on July the 1st. But I think only time will tell if it's going to be strong enough to maybe give Everton a campaign that the fans will want to see and, and, and I want to hope that they can produce. And then I've got, and of course, speaking of wingers, a uh, show of faith from, from Rafa Benitez in wanting to keep Anthony Gordon around. Hopefully, he's going to get some game time. But okay, then, Adin, you, you mentioned it uh, first. The squad on the whole appears stronger. You both seem in, in mostly in agreement that it looks stronger. Obviously, time will tell. But as you've both said, it is thin in certain areas. Give me give me sort of your kind of analysis of the areas where you think it's thin and, and your areas of concern that weren't addressed uh, in this window. It's right back, isn't it? I think right back is... yeah. It, it's something that we've been talking about throughout the summer. I think if you go back to... Probably our Which podcast. Summer? Well, <laughs> summer, yeah, exactly. Summer twenty, summer nineteen, summer eighteen. <laughs> if you go back over our podcast over probably the last few years, then you you hear us talking about this long term successor to Seamus Coleman, which you know, Everton fans have kind of been promised for a good long while now, and it just never seems to materialise. This year, we had right at the start of the window, it was Max Aaron's who was getting linked a lot, and then you know, obviously, we had the whole summer sort of saga almost with with Denzel Dumfries, even though, you know, nothing seemed to materialise there either. And then the late move for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, again, you know, we had maybe a little 24 hours of excitement or something like that there. And then that was very much off the table as well. And it's just, you really can't hide away from how disappointing that is, to be honest, because over the last few seasons, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, Phil, Seamus Coleman, while he's obviously... Such a such a great servant for Everton, and when he's on his game, as we saw against Brighton, he's still a fantastic fullback. But he does suffer with injuries, as we've seen over the last few seasons. I'm not sure when the last time he made 30 appearances in a season was, and now we're essentially saying to him, right, you're going to have to start pretty much every Premier League game, uh, maybe some cup games as well, depending on who we're going to draw in cup games further down the line, and it's just. It's just so much pressure to be placing on somebody who, you know, for the last few years, we've essentially been looking to replace in a similar way that we replaced Leighton Baines on the other side with Luca Dean. You know, Baines was still obviously a very quality player when Luca Dean came in, but Dean was the natural successor and he's took that position on and he's 
you know, being fantastic there. We wanted to see something like that happening on the right flank as well. And it's just, it just doesn't seem to be the case. You know, John Joe Kenny is, is there as backup now, but you know, after a pretty uninspiring loan at Celtic last season, is he going to be, is he going to be the man who's really going to be pushing and challenging Seamus Coleman going by the evidence that we've seen for the last few years at Everton? You'd have to say, you'd have to say no to that. So Everton are looking, you know, until at least January of having Seamus Coleman as the right back again, which, you know, I, I don't want to see, seem like I'm slighting Seamus Coleman in a way, in any way, because I think he is obviously a fantastic fullback, but it's not the situation that Everton fans wanted to find themselves in, was it? You know, right back was an absolute must, I, th- I thought, at the start of this summer. It was like, almost unthinkable that Everton would have gone into uh, the coming season without another right back on board, even somebody in the sh- in the short term who could you know push and challenge Sheamus for the for the coming campaign. If we were going to maybe postpone finding his long term successor for the future, we haven't even meant, managed to get that over the line in the end, which I think is <laughs> another hammer blow, to be honest. And you know, it's it, it, I'm I'm I've got no doubt in my mind that Rafa Benitez probably isn't happy with that situation either. He's got. But he's going to have to he's going to have to work with what he's got at the minute. You know, Seamus Coleman, John Joe Kenny, perhaps somebody like Ben Godfrey or Mason Holgate coming over and covering there in you know and any any sort of dire circumstance. But you know, as we talked about again yesterday, Phil, we don't want to really drag centre backs out of position if we can possibly help it. So yeah, I think right back is the uh, is the major one for me. Even though you know the, the situation on the other flank probably. Probably isn't great either after letting Niels and Kunku go on loan. So it's just a it it is a it is a disappointment. And I think you know maybe maybe there's people in the Everton hierarchy that need to face a few tough questions after this summer transfer window because of that. Well, Connor um, Adam neatly um, segued onto the other side of the defence. Luca Dean clearly establishes first choice. He he was you know ultimately identified as Leighton Baines long-term successor, that change happened quickly. But now behind him, for this season at least, there is a bit of a bit of a gap, to put it politely. Um, you know, Ben Godfrey deputised there last season, but of course his best position is centre-half. And, you know, we're aware of the difficulties the under-23s currently have at left-back. They're currently playing Joe Anderson when fit and available at left-back. He's a centre-half. Um, and the club had even looked to try and find a, a younger player to come to come in and play at left back for the 23s such is the is the gap they've got so um is right back a bigger problem than left back or left back a bigger problem than than right back potentially for, for Everton going forward i think right back is a, is a is a bigger issue than left back at the moment simply because we're basically hoping and banking on Luca Dean playing a large amount of games or pretty much playing every premier league game and and continuing at the levels he has done um, and the way we've seen it in recent years. So I think because of how good Dean's been and how consistent he's been and, and his availability, etc., we're, bank- we're basically banking on that kind of coming again. And it's right back, that's the big issue. But no, I think I think what Adam said there about, you know, questions of the Everton hierarchy, I, I think this is, this is the first real kind of, you know, black mark against Marcel Brand's, Brand's name in terms of the, the two full-back areas. Um, because allowing Naz and Cuckoo to leave is, is all well and good on paper. He won't get game time, etc. But if it does leave gaping holes in the squad, and, and let's face it, you no know, Everton are now back at the, in a situation where 
if it could end up being rounds, you know, square pegs in round holes again, which you just think, you know, four years on from when you when you were doing that under Ronald, you know, Ronald Coombe and Marco Silva, we're still doing it. It's, it's it's kind of like there's no lessons ever been learned, and it's just, oh, well, we've done it before, so we'll do it again. Well, no, let's change it and let's never never have to do that again. You know, it, it, it's not, let's, let's break with tradition and, and you know, start afresh and, and, and be more productive. So I think that's the big issue for me is that, you know, Marcel Brands is, since he's come in, it is kind of remit for me. He's, he's always been always going to find a right back who can come in and take over and be at the club for a long time. And yet, you know, here we are, you know, four years on. We're still we're still talking about potential right backs who could come in and, and, and offer and offer something moving forward. And I think that the issue with left back is, is that the, the worry for me is, is that the backup is probably now Fabian Delph, which again, you know, that that's another thing in terms of and, and it's a simple, probably similar to issue with John Joe Kenny on the right side, is that they're players who probably would have left the club if, if an offer came in for them. They're probably players who Rafa probably would have looked at and thought, well, I can do without them. If an offer comes in, you know, we'll get rid of them. So we're now having to put faith in players who probably have spent large parts of them and think, well, my future might not be here. Uh, I might not be sticking around. Uh, it, once January comes, I could be gone again anyway if an offer comes in because the club won't be off the book. So we're, we're now putting our faith in players who we probably made clear that they haven't really got much for the future, who now possibly, you know, six, seven games into a season, we could be going to them with, you know, a begging bowl saying, right, you have to go in there now and do a job. And, you know, you know, you hope that the professional stuff, but stuff like that always lingers in people's minds, doesn't it? And I think, you know, ultimately we've seen in the past where Everton paid the price for that because they've had to fall back on players who have been told they've got no future at the club and then when it hasn't worked out, we should not really be surprised it hasn't worked out because it was destined not to work out. So I think for me, right back's more of an issue than left back at the minute. But that's only because we're banking on Luca Dean playing pretty much every game we possibly can. And getting as much out of him as, as we possibly can, which is probably not fair on him, and is again probably more of a a, a, a black mark against our director of football in terms of he's not he's not moved the way we thought he was of, and the fact that the, the, for me the fact that we're still we're out of right back four years on is just astonishing really because there's surely got to be someone out there you know you, you, we know and all the the work and the in depth they go into in the games and in the stats and what have you there's surely got to be someone out there who fits what they're looking for and. For me, it's just it's a shambles, really, that we've not we've ended the summer without well another right back because it does leave a gaping hole in the squad. And again, it raises more questions than answers around Marcel, Marcel Brandon's role at the club and what he's actually bringing to the table. Definitely an area of concern, Conor. And I mean, obviously, I think that um, and there's got to be an element of, of circumstance, perhaps, as, as works against brands in the fact that the manager has changed quite a lot. And obviously, new managers come in, don't they, with different ideas of right backs. COVID has obviously created a difficulty in the market but I think you're right and I think most people listening to this would agree that for from 18 what summer 18 now to the summer of 2021 and still we're talking about finding a right back and still not being able to have done it um yeah that's that's a uh, that is a difficult one and and uh, doesn't reflect particularly well does it so a priority position remains a problem position but uh, just before we we move on to the players that the football club um managed to move on this summer um, a lot of money, despite this being a, a you know still a, a market and still clubs suffering with with losses from from the pandemic, a lot of money was spent. Chelsea spent a lot of money. City spending 100 million on one player. I think Arsenal were the biggest spenders, if I'm right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, United obviously spending quite a lot of money as well. But you know, for what we've done, signing what six, five, six players. Um, and spending less than £2 million. I think, you know, most observers would say Everton have probably ended up 
getting uh, or appear to be going to get most bang for their buck. Mm. It's mad, isn't it? The, the the clubs that you've mentioned there, big spenders, they were all skint a few months ago when they were trying to make <laughs> make the Super League, weren't they? So, oof, wonder where all that money's come from. Uh, uh, but yeah, going back to Everton, I think Everton were were they the the least spenders in the Premier League? Did we spend the least in the Premier League this year? I would guess we, so. I haven't checked, but that would obviously we would imagine it would be right. I, th- I think I did see something like that on Twitter a little bit earlier, and you know. <laughs> You you wouldn't really have imagined that, would you, coming into this summer after you know the experience that we've had over the last few summers of previous managers coming in, you know, Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce spending forty million on two players, which was hilarious because he was only there for a few months. But but, but of course, one of the reasons we've had to spend so little is because of what you just said. Well, that's it. Yeah, I think it's something that we again mentioned last night, wasn't it? That there was a there was an impending sense that this kind of transfer window was creeping up it was a yeah. it was a looming spectre that just had to happen at some point and you know unfortunately for Rafa Benitez it's kind of fell on his shoulders to do it but you know it, as as you say in terms of getting bang for your buck there's I don't think there's much more Everton could have done with the players that they that they did bring in getting in Andros Townsend on a free you know it might have seemed underwhelming at the time it still might seem underwhelming to a few player uh, to a few fans but if you if you've seen his performances so far in Everton Chairs, I think you can understand exactly why he was brought into the club. He's got a fantastic cross into the box. I think his defensive work from the front uh, on that flank as well is exemplary. And you know, it's it's very clear that he's going to put in a hundred percent every time he pulls on an Everton shirt. Which you know, I've said in the past it, that shouldn't really be a, a, an asset that you pick up on because everybody should do that. But so many times over the last few years, Everton. Everton had players that haven't done that. So I think it's it's worth pointing out when Everton do get a player who does do that. I think Damari Gray is very similar. And obviously he's somebody who's a little bit younger than Townsend, but has something really that he wants to prove. Getting him in for what was it, 1.7 million, something like that. You know, that's a that already is looking like a hell of a bargain considering the performances that he's put in so far. So you've just got to hope that. You know what Rafa Benitez's message that he's trying to get across to Gray is consistency. So we've got to hope that you know Gray can find that consistency and can keep this up uh, throughout the course of the season. And then you know Begovic, really really solid cover for Jordan Pickford. We're not expecting uh, Jordan Pickford to be out of many games, but you know if 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 that does come about, then Asmir Begovic is easily good good enough cover to to step in for that and. Solomon Rondon as well up front, you know, a really, really solid cover. You know, Premier League experience at both West Brom and Newcastle. I've seen loads of Newcastle fans tweeting yesterday how gutted they were that Everton had signed Rondon because they think he's going to be a really good player. And I mean, only time will tell how much game time he actually gets and you know how much he'll be able to to prove up front. But you know, for for only spending, as, as we say, little over one point seven million, if that. To bring in uh, a number of quality, experienced players in the Premier League as well. These are people that Rafa Benitez knows he can depend on, which uh, which I think is a really important aspect for the for the coming season. He was he wasn't maybe able to get in the players who would massively improve the quality in a lot of areas of the pitch. He wasn't able to you know balance out the fullback positions as we've as we've mentioned. Uh, he maybe wasn't able to get in the midfielder that he might might have liked either, but. He has brought in a lot of players that he can trust in a lot of 
positions and a lot of different situations, which I think when you're a new manager coming to a new club, something like that could be invaluable for you over the course of the first few months. So Rafa Benitez won't be massively happy with the transfer business, I don't think, but I think he'll be very content with those players that he's brought in and, you know, for the for the price that we've got them in as well. At least the, like, even if they fail, which I don't think many of them will, to be honest, I don't think they'll underwhelm. But even if they do underwhelm, at least they're not expensive mistakes, are they? Like that's a, that's a very different prospect than we've had over the course of the last few years. You know, we've been spending you know, 10, 15 million pounds on players, and then well, lo and behold, they haven't they haven't really ripped up trees, and they've certainly underwhelmed. In this case, at least they're not expensive mistakes. So that's some some semblance of positivity, I suppose, that, that we've maybe learned from our mistake in that sort of sense. But yeah, it is it is just a shame that Rafa Benitez has had to deal with this transfer window that was all, always going to be coming on the horizon. But I think he has, in in the circumstances, managed it quite well. Connor, come on, correct Adam. Make up for his mistake here. He's forgotten somebody off the list: Begovic, Gray, Townsend, Rondon, uh, and Andy Lonigan. Another one. Yeah. Indeed he was, and who knows, we know he may be used, so he, he obviously came through the doors in an emergency. But but um but Connor, you know, it, you know, Adam makes an interesting point there though. Less than two million pounds on five or six players, all with Premier League experience and look, and we've rightly so far on this podcast said it's been an imperfect window and there's there's still gaps in the squad. But also the football club have done very well in that respect in a difficult situation with financial fair play issues, which of their own making, of course. But to get those players with Premier League experience, because if you went and said to the director of football at the start of summer, I want five players with Premier League experience, he'd probably just laugh at you because of the normally the transfer fees would be astronomical. But they have managed, you know, Rafa and the club and, and Marcel Brands have, have managed to go and get some good players for, for next to no money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I said a few weeks ago on, on, on the podcast that for, for me, it, the, the, the pleasing thing for me was how we've kind of gone and got players who we know what, what they can bring to the table. I think, you know, Adam said there about, you know, that kind of the unpredictability of what we've seen from Everton. Now we've kind of got players who know what you're going to get from them. You know, we know what Rondon's going to bring. We know exactly what Townsend's going to bring. Gray's probably the one who's maybe a little bit unpredictable. But one thing you do know is he's got pace. He likes to drive the ball forwards and and he's shown already he likes to you know, he likes to get shots off when he's inside the box. So, so for me, the big thing was we've signed players who we know exactly what we're getting from. And that was the big thing for me because far too many times over the last couple of years, you know, even when you're back beside a Wolby and people like that, you're scratching, I think, well, what are you going to bring? What position are you going to play? You know, what's going to be the best asset moving forward? And for, for us to kind of not have that dilemma, not have that problem and know when we sign a player, this is what we're getting, this is what we're going to bring to the table. For me, it was it was a massive a massive turning point in terms of our recruitment? But no, I certainly think on the money side, it's it's been superb in that sense. I think you can't. Uh, I think as well. I mean, I'm speaking to Michael Ball in the week for his whole column. He made it a really good point in the sense of, you know, Townsend and, and Gray. He, he said, you know, they're reaping the awards are being brought in so early. He said, you know, too many times in the past, Everton's recruitment's been too late in the window, and they've they've eventually ended up getting players on the final day, and but then that play comes and he's. He's not trained much because he's, he's been planning to leave that club and 
he's behind on fitness, he's got to adapt to his new surroundings, meet his new teammates, etc. And he was saying, you know, the fact that Everton were able to, you know, Rafa was able to identify them too as soon as he come in as two, two targets, two players who are going to add exactly what he needs and, and he was able to bring them in before the, the, the club board, the planes go to the US. He said, that's a massive, massive help because them had to start in the season, they've done a full pre-season, you know, the teammates, they're, they're adapting to life where living in Liverpool. He said, and that makes a massive difference to a player than being ushered in at the 11th hour on, on deadline day and kind of, you know, maybe living, having to live in a hotel for a couple of weeks and, and stuff, he said. So I think that, again, that's another positive in that, you know, Rafa come in, see what we needed, identify players and they were brought in straight away because, like, we, like we've all seen in the past, some of the way Everton have dragged their dealings out for so long has it, been nothing short of ridiculous at times. You know, we've had two months saga haven't we before in the past, you know, you think of Wilfred's R where it kind of got to the point where it got to deadline day and it was really won't see what's what's gonna happen. And the fact that we were just able to bring people in early doors, get them settled in and and, and know exactly what we're getting from them is, is a massive benefit. We've got a bottle that now and take that forward and use that as the blueprint moving forward now for you know January possibly or if not next summer because that it clearly works and it clearly something that we should we should do more of moving forward because you know, we're reaping the benefits already of, of two lads who come in and hit the ground run. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. OK, moving on to the players that the football club managed to uh, move on. Um, long list, um, various things. Moise Keane, uh, two-year loan with an obligation for Juventus to turn up permanently, providing he meets uh, various uh, sporting achievements, as I say. Bernard uh, moved on for, I think, less than a million pounds. We got his wages off the bill. Walcott, Balassi, Besic, their contracts expired. Virginia on loan, uh, Broadhead on loan, and Kanku on loan. Thierry Small, of course. Not a player we wanted to lose, but he is to, to torn up his scholarship. Um, Adam, we, are you happy with, with, the, with the business of outgoings that the club managed to do in a, in, a, in a difficult market for different reasons? Or or do you think it could have been and should have been better? Um, well, I think it could have could have been better because, you know, as Connor rightly mentioned before, you know, we've still got the likes of John Joe Kenny at the club. I don't think that, you know, there was particularly going to be a, a long-term future for him at the club. Someone like Fabian Delph as well, Rafa Benitez admitted at the start of the window, you know, in different circumstances, he probably would have been talking to Delph about his future. So maybe if Everton had been able to line up another midfielder, then somebody like Delph could have been on his way out of the club. So yeah, I do think it could have could have been better in different circumstances. But I think on the face of it, you've got to look at it as a, a positive step. And you know, it's only going to get better next season as well when more players do reach the end of their contracts as well. I think that's going to free up a little bit more wiggle room for Everton to potentially have a little bit of a busier summer uh, next time around, but yeah, I mean Bernard leaving as I as I mentioned earlier, you know, to be able to get even just a little fee for him, I think was was a positive. He was on you know quite quite large wages as well in terms of the actual output that he was given the club at the time. So I think that was a really good move for him, well for him personally and for the club as well to be able to uh, move him on. Uh, Moise Keane is just a really really interesting one because I I, I still don't think the idea of his transfer was a mistake at all, even though it, it, it quite clearly didn't work out. And I think it's a real shame that it didn't work out. Because uh, I think in other circumstances, perhaps if, you know, we haven't been struggled so much under Marco Silva in his first few months and you know, Silva just didn't have time to give him on the pitch in the end, did he? He was, he was very much 
scrabbling around desperately trying to find points for to keep his job and that just didn't translate to giving a 19 year old lad from Italy his first few minutes in the Premier League so that was a real shame and then and obviously the the COVID pandemic hit that was a real shame as well and it, that stunted his development a lot more I think he had a really good time away with PSG last year but that kind of just turned his head from that point really didn't it so it is a bit of a shame to me that Moise Keane never really got the chance to to prove himself at Everton because I do think he's got a lot of quality and I do think he will be a good player elsewhere. But it does look like another good bit of business from Everton, really, because he was a player who, you know, let's be honest, from that Huddersfield game, you could kind of tell that he didn't really want to be playing for Everton, you know. So to be able to get you know, a loan fee of, what is it, 3 million euros this year, 4 million euros next year, and then the uh, obligation of 28 million, hopefully in the future as well. I mean, that's some, again, that's some really good business for a striker who eventually just didn't want to be here. And it's a, it represents a tiny bit of a profit, maybe spread out over a few years, but a, a profit's a profit. So again, I've, I've got to say that that's a, that's a good bit of business. And then, you know, kind of players who've left Walcott leaving on a free, Balassi leaving on a free, Bessic leaving on a free. Again, it's just, it's just wages that are, that are coming back to Everton, aren't they? And the, I think they've, as we've mentioned previously, I think they've been utilised quite well to bring in the players that they, that they have brought in. So uh, it could have been better, certainly, if we'd have managed to find uh, buyers for a few of the players that I think would potentially have been surplus to requirements uh, at Goodison this year. But I think it's hopefully going to get even better next summer. So fingers crossed uh, things can work out that way. Kind of the big one, of course, in terms of outgoings that didn't happen was uh, was James Rodriguez. Um, are you surprised that we're at the situation where the deadline, uh, so the window shut, and he was still an Everton player? Um, if you'd have asked me three weeks ago if I thought I'd, he'd go, I'd say yeah. But the last the last week or so, I think it become quite clear that he was more than likely going to be an Everton player. Another the Diaz deal was kind of one that they were trying to push for Everton. They didn't get get him off, get him over to Porto, and, and get. The lad Diaz in, in in his kind of a replacement, but no, I think the last week or so, I think it's become quite clear that he was it probably looked like he's going to be staying an Everton player. I just don't think there's been any kind of there's been no take up as they across anyone from Europe to, to take a chance on him. I don't know whether this is wages, maybe you know the the for the European market just far too far too high. You look at you no know, clubs clubs in Italy and, and places like that in Spain, it's it's they're struggling on the, the back of the COVID effect, so. Where that plays a role, but I think the, the the big thing for me is is that it's quite down that no one wants to take a chance on him, that no one has has got has gambled. I thought maybe one or two a couple of weeks ago would have, you know, maybe an AC Milan would have took a chance on him or poor someone still to bring back. But the fact that they haven't is quite is quite telling really. And I think you know for Everton's sake now, they've just got to try and get him to get him back on the training pitch, get him fit, and and maybe look to use him where where possibly can because there's no doubt he's an unbelievably gifted player. I mean. You know, there's, there's no doubt he, he can do stuff that no one in that Everton team can do, and he can offer something that no one, no one else can bring. So for me, he could be, you know, it could be a massive kind of benefit for him for us having him around the squad. But again, I think a lot depends on his attitude and his mindset because I think it became quite clear via his, his famous Twitch updates that he, he liked to give the public that he had his heart set on leaving Everton. He didn't really see his future at the club. So the fact he's, I know there's, there's still chances he can go to Portugal. Russian and Turkey's, I think there's, there's still a couple of transfers he could possibly go to, but I think it looks like he's going to be an Everton player now until at least January. And 
I think the challenge now for for Everton and, and Rafa as well because it's going to be a test of Rafa's man management because I've been told told me he's not on his plans and I've been told him that he doesn't need them. You know, could potentially be going back and saying, well, actually, you know, get yourself fit and you might you might have a chance, um, which I'd like to see because, like I said, I think he's got a lot of ability and I think he, on his days he's a world class talent. And Everton don't have many world class don't have any world class talent, so he certainly could have his uses moving forward and. You know, the, the the big thing now is the Goodison Park faithful might finally get to see him in full action, which is something that didn't look very likely ahead of the Southampton game a few weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely feels as though whether uh, whether the crowd get to see uh, Hammers really depends on uh, on him and how, how he does in training. But Adam, I mean, look, and I, I, I'm a bit, maybe a bit of a broken record on this because I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago and um, ultimately the football club have to sign it off, so ultimately it's their responsibility. But, you know, I really feel this situation was created by one man and one man only, really, and that was Carlo Ancelotti because James Rodriguez would not have been an Everton player if Carlo had not been at the club. Great that he could attract him. We had some great moments last season with James, but obviously we also had some issues with his injury and his fitness, and we're paying him a lot of money. Um, and I just feel that, you know, it's Carlo's decision to just up sticks at the drop of a hat and, and leave ultimately leave a mess behind him has, has, has created an issue for everybody, player and club. Well, uh, I think just in general, like Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti just up and sticks did just kind of leave a mess behind him, didn't he? But he just didn't really, he didn't really care. But uh, in, in terms of James Rodriguez, I, I would love to have seen James's face when he realised that Carlo Ancelotti was was <laughs> on his way back to Madrid. He must have been just thinking, "What? What? What? what how, how has this happened? What are you, what are you doing to me?" Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's kind of it has kind of left him in a bit of a strange situation. And you know, obviously, his comments on Twitch, as we as we've mentioned over the last few weeks, have rubbed people up the wrong way a little bit. And you know, he's very clearly been unhappy with the fact that he's not going to be in the manager's plans, etc., etc. But the the I would I would say the window is passed now. Like he's he's an Everton player, and I think he's he's a he's a professional at the end of the day. And I think he, he maybe got he maybe got unfairly treated. I think a bit last season by some some sections of well, probably other fans. I would say uh, who thought that he you know, didn't work hard for the team or anything like that. I think he works. I think he works a lot harder than people realise, and especially in terms of a, a defensive sense. You you do often see him tracking back and put, putting tackles in and stuff like that. And, you know, if Rafa Benitez can... I think, in, in general, Rafa Benitez's training has been a lot more tough and a lot more you know, structured and organised than Carlo Ancelotti's seemed to be. So if he can impose that onto James Rodriguez, maybe just get him you know, a little bit more match fit, then I think he becomes... An absolutely amazing asset for Everton to have at least up until January, if not like for for the remainder of the campaign. Because I think, especially at points last season when Hammers was playing as a number ten, there were so many times that he must have been so frustrated in that team because he was picking up the ball in the right areas, uh, going up towards the final third, but there was nobody running beyond him. There was nobody sort of breaking the lines. There was nothing for him to really you know thread a pass through to. Whereas, you know, like compare that to the Brighton game that we've just had, for example, away from home. And we had tons of that. Damari Gray was breaking the line. Seamus Coleman was getting up from right back and doing it. Andros Townsend was getting down to the byline. Dominic Calvert-Lewin was getting around. Richarlison was running the channels. You know, imagine James Rodriguez being able to thread the passes through to some of those players in, the, in that sort of scenario. So, 
if we can find some sort of formation that does benefit James Rodriguez in, you know, even if it's just for certain games of the season, you know, some of those home games that we struggled with last season, for example, where teams were just set up with two banks of four and we couldn't break them down. Perhaps James Rodriguez now with runners beyond them, that that would be the way that Everton could could be able to break those sides down. Who knows? So I think he does become, you know, rather accidentally, he, he, do, he does become a, a major asset for Rafa Benitez to have. And I think Connor's absolutely right in what he says. It does become a little bit of a man management challenge for the manager now. They haven't said over the last few weeks that you're not in my plans. He, he maybe now does have to come up with a plan for James Rodriguez because you know, he, he earns he a lot of money <laughs> playing for Everton. So I, I just don't think he's any use to anybody sat on the bench. Of course, he's going to want to work his way back into the Columbia squad as well. So I think that's maybe going to be a, a pretty big mot- motivator for him over, well, certainly over the next few months at least. So I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how it works out. And I think there are a number of possibilities, which mean it could really benefit Everton to have, a, well, of course, it's going to benefit benefit Everton to have a, a player with the quality of James Rodriguez there and you know for the fans of Goodison to finally be able to cheer him on and show that appreciation I think that's going to be whenever that comes that's going to be a nice moment for everybody isn't it so all in all I think you know it, it might it might not have been the scenario that we were expecting but I think it can be a positive one over the next few months okay um Excellent. Before we uh, before we finish with the last our last sort of section today's pod, um, Connor, any of the players that we were interested in uh, that ultimately didn't didn't get uh, didn't get signed? You know, there was obviously interest in in Diaz, as you mentioned, Dwight McNeil, uh, Longstaff at Newcastle, uh, as Adam mentioned, Maitland Niles, uh, Dumfries. Any players that you know that we knew that Everton were interested in that they didn't sign that you're disappointed uh, uh, that we didn't get. I think McNeil would have been a good one to get in. I've been impressed with him. You know, I was impressed when he played against Everton last year at Goodison. I thought, you know, he, the way he's an old-fashioned kind of winger, isn't he? And I think he would uh, certainly watch from Everton last couple of weeks. He just, he just suited the way Rafa wants to play in terms of, you know, plenty of width, getting wide, getting balls into the box and, and having shots. I think he would have been, and I said, given his age as well, I think it would have been a shrewd bite, you know, to to bring someone who's Premier League proven, you know, like we've been doing to already, bring Premier League proven and, and, and to bring someone in with of that calibre and you know, kind of maybe give them another platform, I think that would have been a a good buy for us. And I think ultimately you've got to look at you know you've ultimately got to look at the, the fullbacks, haven't you? You know, Dumfries and even Lindsay McNiles. I think you would have just liked not for maybe a, a certainly you know in terms of you know I looked forward to watching them play, but just for that reassurance of of of, of moving forward, just having a right another right back in who. He's going to challenge Seamus Coleman. Who's going to provide competition? Who could potentially become the 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 the, the fullback in years to come? Possibly just having that that kind of reassurance. I think as a as someone sat there, if you know if something does happen to Coleman, which touch was it hopefully doesn't, you know you've got someone there, or no one's going to be challenging him, or you know bring him maybe don't freeze him. You think well, right, the next five years now he's going to be our right back, and you know we can kind of lay start laying proper foundation at the back and and get a settle back four. So I think. More than a player, I think just the position would have been nice, just that reassurance of to, to kind of just put your mind at ease. Because like I guess earlier on the show, as much as it's it's a good being a good transfer window and everything seems to plays deep brought in and, and the impact they've had already, you just it's that everything thing, isn't it? You just got that nagger feel in the back of your mind, a couple of injuries, a, a COVID crisis, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're stretched and we're 
and we're, we're, we're kind of struggling a little bit. So I think we've seen it last year as well. Didn't we? When we lost key set, key individuals last season, we lost our way. And I think that was a time they reminded that you do need a squad that people can come in and people can kind of competition because one or two out, you can lose your way because we lost our way last year when we picked up injuries. So, yeah, I think I, I would have liked McNeil to come in, but then I think just positionally, I think a right back would have been would have re- 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 reassured me going into the, the, the coming months of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, McNeil's an interesting one, isn't he? And we'll, uh, we'll watch his space and see whether Everton uh, revive any interest uh, probably next summer. Adam, any any player that we were linked with or interested in that, that didn't come through the door that you're disappointed at? Um, I, I think I'd probably go right right back to the start of the summer when there were discussions over somebody like Max Adams. I think that that's the one for me that I think you know really really did get away and i think it's you know rather strange that nobody eventually went for max adams you know it's really good business for norwich that they were that they were able to keep hold of him really because he he is an absolute amazing asset to them he's one of the most creative players in the championship last season wasn't he from fullback i mean i, I just think he would have been a perfect a perfect sort of successor to Seamus coleman so that you can get up and down that flank you know get to the byline he's really good defensively as well which I don't think a lot of people pick up on, and I think it, I know I know it's easy to compare him to Godfrey because of where he's come from, and you know the fact that he's a young defender coming coming from Norwich. But you know he, you could have seen how he would have you know progressed in this in a similar sort of way to Ben Godfrey if he'd if he'd have been a if he had have been signed. And then you know as Connor said as well, I think Dumfries is another one where it, it's it is a little bit disappointing that he uh, that he didn't come in. I don't want to judge him solely on. You know, performances in the European Championships, but that's the only time that I've really had a good, solid look at him play. And I know he was playing as a wing back for for the majority of that tournament, but it was really exciting to see how well he got forward, particularly because I've been obviously in the past. Seamus Coleman has been very good at getting forwards and you know creating things in the final third. But over the last couple of seasons, we've seen that wane a little bit. He's not really getting to the byline as much. He's uh, not really getting those crosses into the box with as much accuracy as he might have done over pa- past seasons. So I think that that attacking aspect of a fullback is probably something that we're missing down that right flank. And I do think Dumfries and, of course, Aaron's would have been able to provide that. So they're they're, they're the the main disappointments for me. But I do agree with Connor as well. You know, I think Dwight McNeil could have been could have been a really good asset as well. Okay, chaps, uh, we will uh, wrap it up there. Good stuff, uh, good opinions and uh, insight into uh, what was an eventful window, an incomplete window, but some some very good business done, but business still to be done uh, maybe in January, but certainly next summer. And let's see how Rafa Benitez can work with his squad. Made a very good start, of course. And hopefully that will continue. Um, Excellent, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back at some point next week, obviously international break, but then obviously looking to preview uh, the game with Burnley. And of course, Mr. McNeil will be uh, coming to Goodison again. Hopefully he doesn't have another good game, but we'll see how that one pans out. <laughs> yeah. We'll discuss that next week. Um, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.